Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the very first Tigers Talk Rugby. We're happy to be here. Um, before we get started, I would like to thank Tiger Vision for providing us with the facilities and the equipment and letting us be in their recording studio. This is amazing. I know it's been a lot of work for me and CJ the last couple of months getting this put together. So with that, I'm Ethan Richards. And I'm CJ Bakel. And we are your hosts today. So joined by us, we have Hunter Dossie the president of the Clemson Men's Rugby Club. He's also the backs captain for the team, and this is his fourth year as a player with the program. Hello, listeners. How's it going today? I am excited to be here and uh, excited to talk rugby. And alongside uh, Dossie is Tyler Doolittle, secretary of the Clemson Men's Club, and also a third-year player. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm excited to be here, just like Dossie. Let's get, good. Let's get started. Yeah, so... Um, with that, let's let's kind of let the audience know a little bit about us and about you guys. Um, so, my experience with rugby, I've been a part of the game formally as a player for about seven years until I moved into being a performance analyst for the Clemson Rugby Club. Um, I'm also helping out again this year with the, with the program. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Uh, I've had a couple times where like I went to the Bahamas and I just got to meet rugby people and and I ended up playing in a sevens tournament just for a charity. It was a lot of fun. Um, How'd you get started with rugby? Uh, actually, so my dad's English, and we would get a rugby ball and we'd throw around with, in, in the front yard with so my dad kind of and my brothers. born and bred into the sport rather than, you know, introduced like a lot of other players. Yeah, I, I guess you'd say that. Uh, I know I introduced Tyler to the sport when we were in high school. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. I find that pretty interesting as well. I didn't start playing rugby until I got into, uh, into college. I played football and ran track all of high school. And one of my best friends, Grant Weston, his dad taught uh, the high school team and tried to get me to come play touch. I played touch a little bit, but didn't get out until I got to college. But um, getting into the little bit more leadership side of it these, next, these past few years, but uh, it was very interesting getting into it, um, learning the sport, and being introduced to it later on in my life. Yeah. See, I, was, uh, I started my uh, sophomore year of high school with Ethan Richards, host of the show. He got me into it. It all started, um, he unfortunately got a shoulder injury, and so he wasn't able to play tennis. And he said, hey, if I can't play tennis, then you should come out and play rugby with me. And I thought he was joking, and it turns out he wasn't. I and, was not uh, joking. He brought me out to a game, and I was just instantly hooked, and I loved it. Immediately went home and started watching every rugby match I could get my hands on, and it just kind of all started from there. It's kind of like a fall in love kind of story. It was. Oh, absolutely. It was love yeah. at first sight. Life, love at first sight. I, I, mine was like a love at first ball touch. You know? <laughs> you know, so like mine was weird because like I moved, I moved to England when I was like 11, 12 years old. And, you know, my entire life played football. That was my, you know, my, my thing was playing football. Coming over to England, you know, American football is non-existent. So... I went, into, I went into class, like, my first day of school, and everybody's like, oh, my God, that kid's huge. Like, we should totally recruit him to be a forward. So I remember my first coach, he, he came up to me. He's like, you look like you'd, you'd be a perfect eight-man for us. And uh, we have a game this weekend, so you're going to be playing this weekend. And I never played. I never even went to training at all or anything like that. I played that weekend. They just passed me the ball. I was like, CJ, run forward. And sure enough, that was what happened. And ever since then, you know, Eight years later, I'm here. Nice. And I didn't realize that you started at eight when you first played the game. Yeah, no, I started at eight, and now then you're, now you're and then I progressively forward. moved forward into the into the uh, line. So I started at eight, and then I went to the second row, like the second year I started playing, and then and then I'm front row because I guess it was like I don't you know. Got big. I got huge. <laughs> mm -hmm. So from big to massive. Yeah, I know um, whenever a lot of people first get into the sport in, in the U.S., I mean, I know your first experience was in another country, but, like, when Tyler picked it up, we, like, handed him a ball, and, and he was just not really sure what to do with it, and then my dad said, run forward, and that was his, his first <coughs> go at it as well, was just run forward, and then at that moment, my dad was like, he'll probably be a decent player. So just yeah, you always have that one project yeah. kid on the team. So Tyler was it, I guess. I mean, I still remember the first time I was able to start in a game in high school, and I remember they were uh, kicking it for touch off of a penalty, and 
I caught it and I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I had to go for it. And I mean, that's one of my favorite rugby moments because that's when I kind of knew that this is what I really want to pursue and put my time into. So. Yeah, definitely. My, one of my favorite experiences was uh, freshman year when we got to go to Las Vegas for uh, the seventh tournament. And Grant, the guy who got me into rugby, was on the team as well with me my freshman year. And we were, we were in playing Navy, and we were on the goal line. And Grant made a kick to me, and I caught it about the 50 and then offloaded to Grant, who took it all the way in for a try. And that was just kind of one of the coolest moments. And I never really looked back from there, just having that feeling in that, in that stadium. You know, as a freshman, I had never really played rugby before. but getting to feel that level of excitement and that level of achievement with scoring a try or performing in front of people was super cool and I never looked back uh, for rugby and from then I, I remember telling coach in that same trip actually that I will not be trying out for football anymore and just going to keep going playing rugby so I thought that was super cool. Yeah because you, you ended up trying to do the walk-on trial. Yeah I actually when I first when I first came to Clemson I, I was walking on I was I was recruited by smaller schools to play football, but I pretty much told anybody that asked me I was going to go to Clemson regardless if I was going to play football or not. Um, I knew I would find what I wanted to what I wanted to do with my life here at Clemson regardless of if it was football. And I tried on my first tried out my first semester and uh, didn't make it, and then started playing rugby and went out to practice ever since then, and just kind of took my took my football work ethic out there, and I don't know, just really loved it, and and haven't looked back since then. I. Still trying to convince football players who are trying out to, for the football team, uh, come play rugby. So yeah, I wonder what that must have been like the other day when you were talking to those football players. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was. It was actually really cool. I I felt I felt very comfortable. I kind of felt like one of them as well because I was in their shoes and it was really easy for me to to go up in front of them and be like, hey, I was literally standing in your exact same shoes and now I'm the president of the rugby club and and the captain and and just kind of taking my, my brains and my athleticism to a different sport and, an, and another opportunity with just as many opportunities in terms of professional and, and collegiate opportunities. And I thought it was, it was really cool being able to explain that to those guys and see a couple of them be like, wow, there, there's other opportunities to play and show my athleticism other than football, so. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So coming up this week for uh, the Clemson Men's Rugby Club, there's a game against Coastal. Yeah. I'd be happy to hear about what your attitude is coming into that game and, and what you've been seeing out of the players. Yeah, I'm honestly really excited for this for this game this next this next weekend. We've uh, we've been doing a little bit more development kind of skill stuff, just checking guys out at training. We've only been here for about a week, so things have been definitely been um, early in terms of moving things along, in terms of getting the full aspect and understanding what we're running as a team. Um, so hopefully this week that'll all come together. But I think we've seen a lot of heart and we've seen a lot of guys come out and, and want to give, give their best effort and do their best. And that's, really, that's been really exciting for me. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity, I see. So, and I'm, I think we'll, uh, we'll be able to go out with just these two weeks and, and play some really good rugby against Coastal Carolina this next weekend. That's exciting. What about uh, either you other two boys? I know both both CJ Bakel and Tyler Doolittle are on the team as well, so I'd love to hear some of your attitudes going in. Yeah, Tyler, you want to start? This will be my first time playing against Coastal Carolina, so I'm pretty excited just for that. I mean, I've known people that I played in high school with that play for them, so it'll be fun to get out there and kind of go back to our roots in high school. And I'm just really excited. Yeah, uh, yesterday we had a little combine type deal and I got to see kind of what our backs are looking like this year and I think this game is just going to kind of set us up for the future and I'm really excited what I was seeing at least. I mean, I know Dossie is also in the back line with me and I think we got some really good talent that we can develop. Yeah, as a forward, you know, we, we've had a lot or we have a lot of talent and a lot of the, a lot of the guys from last year and the year previous have been on, you know, they've been on this team and they've stuck with this team. So, All right. you know, we've had a lot of experience in the pack and there's not, we don't have any, you know, levers besides, you know, Joel Jalden. But he, you know, that's a tough position to fill, but I think we have, you know, the experience and the talent to fill that. And like, you know, like we're having like Trey, you know, Trey Reed coming back, you know, Harry, 
Perry Robinson, Reed Brandt, you know, a lot of those guys are big leaders, and we've been, and they've been coaching and the newer guys coming in, and I think we have a lot of potential. So I'm excited for the forwards, at least. I myself, I've, I went out to the combine and, and kind of walked around and got to see a lot of the people that were out there, and it was one of the most exciting things that I witnessed was just the amount of players and who, who had gone through years with Clemson Rugby taking in some of these new guys who are coming in either as freshmen or uh, I remember one kid said he had transferred from Mercer and, and they took these kids under their wings and, and it was led not just by the people who were in charge but everybody wanted to be making the team better. So that was really interesting to see um, and I think that, that sort of culture and development um, leading into a game in two we less than two weeks from the start of the semester for all these kids is, is a big thing, and I think it'll make a big difference. I think a great thing that seeing from yesterday and especially the last week in training is that even with the new guys, we're all, you know, there's a great team chemistry. We're all, you know, ribbing into each other, telling jokes, you know, messing around a little bit as well as trying to stay, like, focused. So I think when we go out to Coastal Carolina, you know, we'll be a lot better, like, in terms of team chemistry than we have in the past. Because, again, a lot of us, we've been together since, you know, it's freshman year, sophomore year, you know, been together for two, nearly three years. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so building off of that, um, Coastal Carolina, the end of this week on Saturday, uh, is, there, is there a time for that already set up? Um, I don't believe, there is a time set up, I'm not sure exactly, yeah, I don't want to say the wrong time. The okay. varsity team plays at 12, uh, 12 noon, Yeah. and then JV is at 2 o'clock. Okay, so, so for varsity. two games on Saturday, uh, we'd love to see anybody out there supporting the program, uh, 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Um, yeah, so yeah. moving on from that, you've got your first D1A match coming up. Um, for those who don't know, uh, D1A is the highest level of collegiate rugby currently in the country. Uh, it's made up of multiple different uh, divisions or conferences. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, Clemson sits in the Mid-South, while Texas A&M um, is in the Red River Conference. So that's a cross-conference game, but it's also still very important <coughs> to the D1A and, and where Clemson sits. Uh, would you like to talk any more on that, Hunter? Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to play Texas A&M. Uh, we, we got to play them last year in Texas A&M. That, that was a fun travel for everybody. Um, it was a very good game. It was a tough game. They, um, they honestly had a lot more. They came out with a lot of fire, and, and that's something that I, I kind of want to make sure that we, we kind of get into is, is making sure we're getting into the right mindset before these games. Um, but I'm really excited to play that game. They're definitely going to bring they're definitely going to bring a good side and. and and we're going to have to work for it uh, to play those guys. And hopefully with the two weeks and playing Coastal Carolina to, to set us up, we'll be ready. I'm excited for it as well. Um, last year, being able to go down there was a whole lot of fun. And I'm glad we're going to be able to host them this weekend and yeah, me as well. have them up here, especially with the football game going on the next day. It's just it's our first D1A match, and it's a pretty early one at that. So it's definitely going to be a good benchmark for both teams. and. I know I'm excited to see where we're going to be at when the time comes. Our, uh, a lot of our players that played last year, they were rookies then, and now this is their, kind of on their second year, and they've gotten definitely a lot better. Um, so I'm just excited to be able to see the, the difference between where they were at last year at the same time and where they're going to be at now. See, when I see the, the Texas A&M, I love you know, playing this game because out of everybody I, we play, I think this is the – like one of the most evenly matched like teams that we play. Because last year, you know, it was in Texas, under the lights, extremely hot outside, and it was a lot of fun, you know. We're, we're just, I don't know, it was just evenly matched. So having that, that competition was definitely a good thing for us because it kind of woke us up a little bit. And like Dossie said, that fire that they started off with was – you know, it was a real kick in our butt at the at the beginning, and we just kind of like had to. You know, we started slow, and then you had to kind of you know 
build up to it. So I think it was a good, good game. And like having them come over here now, we should we like we should start like, you know, hard early. Or we should start with that fire for sure. So, uh, because if we don't, then I don't want I don't want to I don't want to lose at home, especially before the football game. We had to set a good example <laughs> for the football team. Jeez. Uh, I know, especially for a lot of the new guys. I mean, this is obviously this is their first D1A game ever, and I mean, I remember my first D1A game. It is a completely different pace, just physicality, and it's definitely just a wake-up oh, yeah. call. And you kind of, for some people, it's when they realize, like, oh yeah, I can do this, and like, I love this. And for some people, they'll be like, man, this is. What was your first uh, D1A game? My first D1A game. That yeah. was my freshman year against Lindenwood. Was it at uh, Lindenwood or at home? This was at home. Yeah, I heard that game was insane. Like, the first game we ever played, we had to play against, like, Nick Feeks and Chance, you know, starting, you know, prop for the USA. The Eagles currently, that's insane. I know. After mine, I just, like, that's just what I wanted. I wanted just more of that, like, physicality, that pace, because there's just nothing like it. When you get off, you're like, man, I just want more of that. So I know we had some rookies last year that were just, you could just tell after 20 minutes, they were completely exhausted because they were just like, wow, <laughs> this is insane. Right. And they it's just wanted more of it, so. I, I think the biggest thing coming into this game is the environment between travel, like after travel, is, is going to have a big impact. Um, I think it's going to be easier for them moving here because uh, playing in the evening here is going to be, their, their schedules are going to be in the afternoon, in the middle of the day, and they're going to be like revved up and they're going to like be actual actually energetic even with the travel mm -hmm. um, experiences. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to fly. That would be a long drive otherwise. But right. um, even when they get here, the game's going to be a Friday evening match. And for them, that'll feel like a Friday afternoon. So I, I'm sure that'll be like a big deal for them, as well as that both Texas and South Carolina, for those who don't know, are very hot states. Like You deal with a lot of the hot and I know here it's more it's, about the humidity. Yeah, it's the humidity is insane here. Whereas like Texas it was a like dry heat. Right. So I think that environment might might make an impact on on how they play the game versus how Clemson plays the game. So I, I'd be I'd love to be on the sideline for that and, and seeing how A and M handles the humidity in Clemson. So yeah. But again the beauty of playing in South Carolina is that we never have to play in the snow. Or in any cold weather. So, like, when we went up to St. Louis and played against, you know, Lindenwood in the snow. That was terrible. So that's why, you know, having Navy and Davenport come down here, you know, on you know, Navy October 19th and Davenport November 9th, you know, the, having those two games, like those two teams, you know, in the north coming down here is fantastic because I don't want to go up north and play in, you know, freezing cold weather like we did either in St. Louis or Davenport. Yeah, Davenport was a cold game last year for sure. I. I remember Brooke had to, uh, like Brooke Hopkins, our trainer, she had to get an icy hot patch and she started putting them on my back just to keep warm. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, they had to, sh they were shoveling snow off the, off the, off the pitch for Lindenwood and for Davenport. Yeah. That's, yeah, those are games. I was going to say, that's a uh, tough change when you're coming from South Carolina and you've been practicing and working and doing everything in, in what we consider cold weather and then you discovered Right, the real cold up north. Oh yeah. So yeah. Both those games were on turf too, and yeah, that was an extra terrible thing. Mm -hmm. So um, on top of that, I know we just touched on Navy on October 9th and Davenport. Not uh, October 19th. Uh, October 19th. Yeah, excuse yeah, yeah. Me, and Davenport on November 9th. Um, so those are both home games, which is exciting. So it looks like uh, all of the. D1A matches, everybody's coming to Clemson, so that's exciting. I know, I'm sure that'll help a lot with the team's attitude for when they go into that game, they're not tired from travel or, or anything like for that. For sure. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I believe we, we do travel to Arkansas State next semester, but um, for the most part, we do play most of our games at home this year, and that's, that's definitely exciting. I think we definitely play our best game at home. Yeah, for sure. Because every single time that a team comes comes over we you know we we do pretty well at least we start well so like when we had art state uh you know come to us last year the we dominated in the scrums like so it's like the stuff like that you know we're at home 
I guess we must be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more energetic, mm -hmm. just because we train there, you know, we're always there. Right. So maybe that might be it, but I'm excited to go to Arc State again. And then we have li uh, Life Away next semester as well. Oh, yeah, right. Life is away as well. But that's not a too bad of a, of a travel, you know. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. going to Atlanta is only a hop, skip, and a jump. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. So um, another game that I, I know Dossie had mentioned to me and CJ has mentioned to me is not something that's set in stone, but uh, they want to get a rivalry match in with uh, University of South Carolina. So uh, would you like to touch on what that means to you as a Clemson student? And um, that's pretty exciting to me. We, we haven't gotten to play them since my freshman year, I believe, was the last time that we played them. Um, we beat them our freshman year, but it's, they haven't wanted to organize a game with us necessarily these past few years, but it's cool to be able to play them again. And we see them in sevens a little bit, but we haven't got to see them in 15. So I'm excited that they've reached out to us and, and tried to plan to schedule something with us. Hopefully, in the next uh, week or so, we'll have that date worked out and should be set in stone. So that would be cool. Yeah, like whenever you have a USC, Clemson, anything, it's always going to be an event. Right. People love hearing that. People, people want to see Clemson play USC in anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I remember, so I, I've grown up a big Clemson fan. My mother went to Clemson, and so uh, about six or seven years ago now, uh, Clemson played USC at the Rack in Charlotte when that was around, and I know the stands were filled for that game, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it was loud, and there were a lot of people just cheering and having a good time uh, just because it was a big rivalry match even in Charlotte's. Not quite in the line between the two schools, but it's close enough for that to be a big deal. Right. So. So yeah, I know uh, for me personally, it'll be exciting. It'll be the first time I get to play at University of South Carolina. So cool. I know I got to see them just the year before I came to Clemson, and I got to see that match. So I'm excited. Hopefully that all works out because everyone loves a good rivalry game, and I think it just brings out the best in both teams because you just want to really uh, put to the other guy, yeah, so. So we know our goals for as a team, but we have the president of the club around. We might as well talk about a little bit of the goals about what this organization is going on in this organization and like what's going on in the future. So Dossie, do you want to, you know, touch on some of the, I guess, bigger goals that we have for men's rugby, especially with like South Carolina and youth and stuff like that? Yeah, so there's, we, there's been a lot of development recently um, between us and the Clemson Rugby Foundation to really expand our reach and our, our commitment to youth rugby and the, the Rutgers in the area. So they've, they've, um, they've hired us, they've hired a youth developer to, or they've hired a day-to-day a, a -day operations developer to kind of help, help with these goals and these fundraising, these goals and these fundraising events for youth and stuff. So, um, who 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 have they hired? Erin um, Gain, they have hired. Um, so she's she's here to to help the organization kind of bring bring everybody up, bring everybody together, and and kind of help organize what we're doing and and help the youth within the area. So that's I think that's a great thing uh, picking somebody who's not necessarily involved uh, in Clemson to be able to take, take in an outside perspective and look around in the community and say, hey, these are people who would love to grow youth rugby in, in the Clemson area or the Greenville area. And even when we started this podcast up, actually, we had gotten some contact from some people from Spartanburg who are involved with youth rugby out there who, um, Want, want to develop the game and, and shoot like uh, like you can see that it's starting up because like the Death Valley Sevens you know the U13 team they went out to Charlotte to play a tournament with uh, Coach Marty the uh, women's coach and they like stuff like that is insane for for South Carolina especially right. and that's stuff like, that you haven't really seen in the past few years and now yeah that the the youth is starting to have these kind of opportunities I know when I when I was in high school I didn't play but the only thing that was rugby in the area was Phil Weston's high school team, um, necessarily for the for Greenville. So, um, so that was 
it's cool to see all these opportunities opening up, and, and that's definitely where it needs to start in terms of expanding rugby, is you have to start with the youth. You have to interest the youth and, and make them want to pursue rugby and make them think of rugby in something that's something more than just a sport that they play. It's, it's a community, so that's kind of what, what the goal is between us and, and the CRF to, to really empower kind of the youth and, and make them and make them want to continue to pursue rugby and teach others about rugby. Yeah, I, I love the idea of, of developing youth rugby in the entire, like across the country. We had some Glendale uh, coaches and come out from Colorado. Uh, they left their uh, Major League Rugby program and, and wanted to come run a clinic in Clemson. And I, I know as a rugby fanatic, I didn't want to miss that opportunity to go and meet these people and, and see what they wanted to do. And, one of the things that they push for, or one of the things they push for is for all of their players to mentor youth players and coach youth rugby uh, in Colorado and in through their program that they've developed in the last, what, 15 or so years. Um, and now, obviously, that was a successful way to do it because they're a professional rugby program. So um, that's a, an exciting way to do it, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that Clemson Rugby Club is getting involved with doing something similar. Right. That was a, that was a super cool opportunity to see them come and, and help us out and, and see kind of directly the, the impact that they can have. I know we, we kind of hear a lot about them and, and kind of what they're doing on that side and, and how much they've accomplished, but it was very cool to see in front just how, just how much knowledge they have and how much rugby knowledge that they can truly pass on to a youth, a, a young person. Um, while, while I learned a lot that day, I can only imagine how much they can teach to somebody who doesn't really know, um, who really knows nothing about rugby and is just starting to pick it up. So that's super cool. Those guys were awesome. And, and yeah, you, like that, when we had that training session on Tuesday with the Glendale guys, it was, we had like a bunch of rookies come out, you know, new guys. And for some of them, it's like their first, you know, their first training session they ever have is with two professional coaches. Mm. And it's, they, they were, you know, insane when it came to it. Like, you know, these focused, intense training uh, drills. And then, like, again, some of these kids who, or some of these guys who have no idea how to, you know, how to play rugby, like never picked up a rugby ball in their entire lives. They're just kind of thrown in the deep end, but they're, like, picking it up. So right. I thought it was kind of, it was strange to me that we were doing these, like, really fast-paced, focused, intense, detail-oriented like drills, but they were able to do it in such a way that uh, these new guys had, like, you know, they were, were able to understand. They were able to understand it. it. Right. So, like, yeah, I thought I, it, was, it was very cool. I like, for instance, when it came to uh, Coach Peter, when he came, when he was talking about uh, tackling, and you know, when you're going into the tackle with the near foot, near shoulder, and then you punch with your hands, he was telling uh, me and another uh, and another guy, another player. That it's like in football when you're a left tackle or any offensive lineman and you're just like blocking them with your hands. You got to keep them in close and everything like that. And I think a lot of people don't really do that cross sport like application, if you get what I'm saying, when it comes to rugby. Because a lot of people kind of coach rugby as just rugby rather than try to apply it. And I think that's the best way to get new, like newer people to understand it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Like, uh, I know um, at the clinic, uh, not necessarily Glen the Glendale Clinic, but with just the Clemson players uh, this past Saturday, we, er, I was out there watching and, and seeing the development of the program, and, and one of the biggest things that I had heard was uh, to one of the players who had formerly played soccer um, at a collegiate level, and, and he was told when they were talking about running a line out and then setting up a line out that when you're throwing in that, that ball on a line out, it's very similar in structure to when you're throwing in a ball in, in soccer. I mean, because that's where that, that comes from, really, as, as a technique. Yeah, because, right. I mean, rugby is just, you know, it's a branch <laughs> off of, you know, soccer. It's kind of like... Somebody picked up the ball and started exactly, running with it. <laughs> exactly. Right. So... Yeah, I know. Um, just that development level, just in those four days between when Glendale was here to when 
it was just the Clemson rugby guys out there. There was a lot of development. I know that's that probably comes from some goals set by players. So I'd, I'd love to hear some of the goals that the team has and, and let in a lot of the uh, audience and the, and the people interested in following Clemson rugby. Like I'd love to hear what some of the goals as a team are and some of the goals as individual players. Yeah, so just kind of the main goal that I've kind of set for the organization is just kind of made a benchmark of kind of where we are in terms of a lot of things like skill and culture and communication and support and participation between players and, and things like that and kind of a baseline of where we're at. And I'm almost trying to measure these things monthly um, to just kind of see how we're improving just to make sure that in each one of these categories we are seeing improvement and, and seeing, seeing different things, improvements in different ways and coming from different angles. And um, so that guys, guys are, are doing different things and, and we're expanding our organizations with our improvements, not necessarily just improving upon things that we're already good at or working at. So I think that um, kind of one of the main, one of the biggest goals with that is, is just to kind of, is to bring our cult, team culture kind of back in together. I think that there was, there was a big issue in the past, the past year, couple years, where the younger guys or the newer guys who weren't playing on the varsity level didn't feel as important as that full varsity player. And I, my biggest goal for the organization is for a, a freshman or, or somebody who's, who never plays or who just started playing rugby and all he gets to play is JV games, and, but he comes to practice every day. I want that person to feel just as important as the person who's our, who's our starting captain or our starting varsity player. So that's kind of the biggest goal that I have for, for our organization is, is making sure that everybody feels like they're a part of the Clemson Rugby Club and that's, and that's what you want to be a part of. Is, and that's the ultimate goal is to just, is to just be a part and, be, and be, be in that organization and accept it together as one. So. So Tyler, as a secretary, do you have any other like organizational goals? I mean, really, it's kind of just what you want to see with every team. You want to see constant improvement. I know a lot of people, they say this with every organization. It's just even if you know, they're not the, at the level you want them to be at, as long as you can see them improving day by day, I mean, that's just that's going to make me happy to see people. I'm already seeing it in some of the rookies that just came out this last week. It's people that have never touched a rugby ball, and they're already making some smart plays are already looking for the holes in the line. They're looking for space, and they're attacking that space. And that just makes you happy as a player. It makes you happy as a leader on the team. And you know that in the end, that's what's going to make your team better is just that constant day-to-day -day improvement. So yes, that's been really good to see. I've been very, very happy with the amount of improvement that our guys have, that our guys have shown, the amount of application of what they've learned and, you know, putting that putting that in actual you know, game situations where we, we were learning hands or we're learning to recognize space and guys are actually doing it after we learned that. So that's been really cool to see. Yeah. And then uh, another organizational goal that you know, Hunter and I have both been working on a lot is fundraising, especially for, like, for the sure. club and for the CRF. So one of, again, one of our main goals is with the you know school's funding being cut from us, we're trying to be more independent with this fundraising. So along with like the help of you know Aaron and the rest of the CRF, we we have you know set up in set up a way to fundraise. So like Dossie, Dossie had the fantastic idea of doing having each player do a thousand dollar pledge or the the pledge to give the time and the effort to help raise $1,000 themselves. And like we have, you look on our, you know, our group, our group app on band, you see like there's 60, 70 players. If everybody gets $1,000, that's, you know, $70,000. So. Right. Yeah, that'd be right, a that's, phenomenal feat. Yeah, fundraising, fundraising, fundraising has been a huge focus in, in, all, in all shapes and sizes and forms and we we've been reaching out a lot to 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 the players themselves to it's it's on us now to to support this organization so that's kind of what we're do, having to do moving forward and that's a lot with the with the new independent student organization policies that have kind of come up through 
um, that have kind of come up through uh, through this past year. The the new policy has has made us a lot more independent from the from the university. We no longer have to bank through the university or full or um, register our organization, but we are a group of recognized students. But we do have a lot more freedom, uh, also a lot less financial support. So that's kind of where we've where we're at within that. Yeah. Again, with that financial support, we do need help. It's not like we're totally, you know, we're not totally totally fine. Right. But we do need that help. So, you know, listeners, if you would like to donate to, you know, the rugby club to help fundraise a little bit, you can just Google Clemson Rugby Foundation, and there's a donate page right there. Uh, yes, I know sure. right now the CRF is really huge on this. Uh, on a new campaign that they have formed, it's called the 2020 campaign, where every month a member of the CRF, you know, which there's a thousand of them, if they pledge twenty dollars and twenty cents a month for the entire fiscal year of twenty uh, year, uh, yeah, for 2020, uh, that could potentially get like two hundred and seventy two hundred seventy thousand dollars. So you know, twenty bucks a month for the entire year. That'd be, that's like, you know, a meal and a couple of drinks for somebody. So that'd be pretty, like, insane if we can get you know, $200,000. Right. But, yeah, I mean, anything really helps. Yes, definitely. So I think, I think we've covered a lot of what we wanted to talk about with the Clemson Rugby program, with the game schedule and, and some of y'all's goals. I'm happy yeah. to hear it. So I'd also love to hear kind of what y'all's attitudes are when you look internationally. I know the World Cup's coming up at the, later in this year, and, and we've had the rugby championship and some big shifts in the tables. So I'd love to hear some of y'all's opinions on, on that, because I know to me, like, when, when Wales takes top of the table, that, that as, as a half-English uh, American, that makes an impact on me and my attitude of the sport. This so. sport is insane. <laughs> I've been telling this to everybody this last few weeks, that this sport is insane. Because, mm -hmm. like, the last couple weeks, I don't know what is going on. That's what I'm saying. Because you see Australia beating New Zealand, you know, in the rugby championship by 21 points. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the next week, it's like, all right, New Zealand's just going to casually win by 30, you know, 36 to nothing. Yeah. Like, what is this game? And, like, again... You were saying New Zealand was number one for 509 weeks. 509 weeks. That was before Instagram was launched. <laughs> wow. That was before Instagram was launched. That's how long it's been. So 2009, that's when the last time somebody besides New Zealand was number one. And now Wales just like all of a sudden is like, oh, hey, guys, we're just going to you know, smack you out of your place. This, like, this sport is insane. For those of you that don't know, uh, the New Zealand All Blacks, they are, so far, they're a three-time winner of the Rugby World Cup, which is going on this year. Uh, they're the first team to win it back-to-back, -back, so they won in 2011 and 2015. And, yeah, they've been number one since 2009. And right now, they're looking to be in a little bit of slump. They just tied South Africa in the, this uh, warm-up match. And, Arnos in the rugby championship, and then they lost to Australia. But then they come back the next week and beat them 36 to nil. So see, they're in a really interesting spot right now. I think going into the World Cup, they I just don't understand. Again, like they came third overall in the rugby championship, behind South Africa and Australia. I, I think you can attest it to some of the players that they had on the field, though. Yeah, historically, I mean, it's you saw it. I know I got into rugby right around the tw 2015 World Cup and. Uh, Australia um, beat them then too, and they ended up beating Australia in the finals of the 2015 Rugby World Cup then. Yeah. And they historically, they slumped a little bit before, and I think, like you're saying, that comes to the personnel group. They, they want to try new things. They want to get some of the players uh, capped, and we call them caps for every uh, international match that a player plays. They get a cap for that. So they're trying to get new people capped, and they want to get them they want to get experience, and they want to have that before the World Cup when you're on the biggest stage in rugby. And so it's kind of been known that they'll slump a little bit because they put 
a newer uh, crowd out there, so they kind of give everyone a false sense of hope sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of what Ireland's doing as well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> With that uh, tough loss yesterday. 57 for the 15. Irish. I'm happy about it. I don't know uh, about you guys, but... <laughs> So, so Tyler, I guess like, what are some of those like you were saying like you know the players that they're putting out there? Like, what? Give me an example of what you're trying to say. Like, you're some of those players are, you know, they're being a little bit experimental. So like one of them is uh, Richie Moanga. So he is the fly half, which is the number ten, uh, out on a rugby pitch. He actually so he plays for the Crusaders and they're a pretty dominant side in uh, Super Rugby, which is the pretty much like the Southern Hemisphere uh, Premiership Soccer League, like what they have in. Uh, Go Crusaders. Shameless fan. Absolutely. For the past, pretty much since the 2015 World Cup, they've had uh, Bowden Barrett as their consistent starting fly half. And right now they're kind of, they're trying out some new blood in Richie Monga. They put Bowden Barrett out at fullback, which is, he is a, Bowden Barrett's been a utility back before when he first started with the All Blacks. He was pretty much the definition of an impact sub. He would just go wherever they need him, and he would come out and just absolutely just dust some people and make some brilliant tries. So it's definitely interesting to see him getting pushed back a little bit, but sometimes for the better. I mean, Rich Mount is a great fly half, but Ben Bear is just a great rugby player. So. <laughs> yeah, New Zealand, again, they're. it's going to be interesting seeing how they go into the World Cup because... It, Again, in their group, they have South Africa. South Africa has been looking insane as of recently. Yeah, they tied New Zealand in, in their game and, and won the rugby championship. So that's, yeah. that's a big, big deal coming in from the World Cup. It's, I mean, that's still, what, about a month-ish away until the start. But, but do you think they could pull it off? Do you think they could, they could host that trophy at the end of it, the Webb Ellis Cup? I think South Africa can win it all. I, I will. I will say that explicitly. I think so as well. Yeah. I think so as well. Yeah. Uh, I know um, Tyler and I had been getting together and watching um, all of the South Africa games from the last couple of weeks, and and either they show up really strong and they dominate for a good twenty minutes of the game, and and they they lose it a little bit as they go through, or they just dominate. Like I, I really feel like as a team and and as as a group of people, they form a unit. They, sh they run as a unit. And, and I, I think you see that in their games whenever they're running structure. So, so that makes me happy to see, too. Since the uh, 2015 World Cup, they go, usually coaches will go through a World Cup cycle. So generally, you hold on to a head coach for four years, see how he does after a World Cup. And then either they'll get fired then or move on to another coach, or you'll kind of renew them for another four years. And after the 2015 World Cup, they ended up going with a different head coach. And South Africa definitely struggled then. Uh, they were trying to implement some new policies. And they uh, got a new head coach, what was it, two years ago, a year or two ago? Yeah, about that. And he's really bringing them into form. I mean, their match where they tied New Zealand recently, they just looked like they were a dominant team. And New Zealand was able to step it up in the second half and really kind of bring that game back. but. For the first half, South Africa, that was their game to win. And so that's definitely exciting to see. They're always a great competition. They're one of my favorite Southern Hemisphere teams uh, to watch. <laughs> <laughs> their nine, Fafta Clerk, is just, just a fun player. He's a little guy, and it's always fun to see little guys making some huge tackles and some huge plays. So Yeah, he's a nine just like you, right? Oh, yeah. What about that Herschel Yantis? You know, you see him come off. Like, he gets his, you know, first kind of start as a nine recently. He, uh, see, he was a sub for the tie against New Zealand, but he came on. He was, I mean, he was an impact player. He scored the tie, um, kind of like the try to tie it up, and it was a beautiful try at that. It was a great effort from him, and he had some good support. And they really just have some... Yeah, that's what you want uh, going in. You want two solid scrum halves uh, when it come off the bench. New Zealand, they have Aaron Smith and TJ Piranara, and that's just you need to have a good, solid uh, scrum half duo, and any team needs that. So.
So, yes. apart from those other, apart from those other, let's move to the you know the northern hemisphere. So Wales, like we said, was number one. England, you know, England looks pretty good as well. Uh, Ireland, we've been teased so much about them. <laughs> you know, I can't tell if they're like. So yesterday again, England played Ireland in Twickenham, mm-hmm. and you know, England is dominated 57 to 15 was the final score although if you look at that game coming into half it did not look like a dominant game from England that second half is when things just took off for them Ireland like I like I was we were saying earlier Ireland was winning at the 30 minute mark yeah and then all of a sudden just like a flip like a switch was flipped and England just we don't like we were talking about this earlier. We don't know if it was an England was just turned on or was Ireland turned off. Like, we don't know what was going on. Yeah. But for me, the, the big thing to look for is, like, is Wales going to take it all the way in, when it comes to the World Cup? If, like, they, they've been dominant since the Six Nations. They beat both England and Ireland uh, just pa- this past string. The, 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 this, this past, past spring. spring, there we go. Um, then and now they're they're coming in, and their pool like the only real competition in my eyes for them is Australia in that pool. And with how they've been looking, I think they're going to dominate. And and I I don't see why anything's going to change when when they you go from the spring and you you slam it all the way through. You come into the warm up matches and and you're looking great. You take first like from New Zealand that's a unfathom unfathomable recent in recent years so that do you think that they can be the next team to add a championship to their name I think I think that they can I have I've recently been been watching most of my international rugby I've been watching Wales and I I really like their play style I like I like their team I, I like how hard their guys work and I think that that with that and with the way that they're playing, I think, I think the like I was talking about earlier, the mindset and the ability to come in at your best is is huge in rugby. And I think Wales is at their best right now. And I think I think they have a good chance to to take this this pool and, and take it all the way. So, I mean, I I know for that pool that would be Pool D, and they have uh, Australia, Georgia, Fiji, and Uruguay with them. I definitely see Wales winning that pool. Um, Australia's looking a little rough in my opinion uh, <laughs> these past couple of years. I mean, they did just kind of crush New Zealand, but then they just came back the next week and got demolished by them. So it's, uh, it's interesting, but I think they can win that out. And they are in phenomenal form right now. They just came off a grand slam in Six Nations. Yeah. And they held the number one spot, what was it, 29 hours, I think? Yeah, it was And then unfortunately lost to England. Hours. And, Ooh, then they, go England. and then they came back and... <laughs> Beat England, um, so they went and uh, got that number one spot back, and they're looking great, and that makes me happy to see. It's good to see uh, Southern Hemisphere has kind of dominated rugby in recent years, so seeing a Northern Hemisphere team kind of encroaching on that is, I think it's just good for the sport in general. Yeah, because this World Cup, like the at least the build-up to this World Cup, like we were saying earlier, it's insane. Yeah. And it, it like the the playing field looks just about as even as it's ever been. Anybody could win it all. Yeah, I would agree. This this is anybody's anybody's year. This is there's gonna be some good rugby. Yes, this year. I'm so, really excited. Uh, we we always got to talk about our um, our home, own home team, uh, USA. Well, well, we we lost to Japan, who will be the home team for this World Cup being in Japan. Um, so that doesn't bode well for us, I don't think. Um, but I would love to see us just perform well. <laughs> I would love to see us uh, take games off of some of these big-name teams uh, like France or Argentina, who, who both play in, in what is considered the top level in the North and Southern Hemisphere. Right. So I would love to see that. Um, yeah, that, that group is insane. Yeah, I would say this is the group. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, the U.S. is in Pool C, 
with England, France, Argentina, and Tonga. I think, in my eyes, this is the pool that when I sat down to say, here's who I think is going through, it was the hardest to decide because I felt like Tonga and the U.S. can, can take games off of these other players. Tyler's shaking his head over here. I, I really, I genuinely believe that that could be an upset. And, and I think you look at England, you look at France, you look at Argentina, and genuinely any of those teams could take first or second. So, uh, USA in uh, 15s have been, it's a, it's a rough history. It's a rough history. Uh, this pool is definitely England, France, and Argentina. They're all considered tier one nations. Argentina plays in the rugby championship. England and France play in six nations. And those are the top competitions for uh, the respective hemispheres. And uh, I think really in this pool, the United States' only chance is really against Tonga. I mean, I'm excited for that game because obviously I want to see the we, U.S. do well. We could actually win. But we game. could actually win against Tonga. I don't. I just don't see us realistically beating uh, anyone else in our pool. Sadly, it's. it's It'd be sad. fantastic if we could beat England, France, or Argentina. And now this is 15s. We're not really going to talk about sevens right now, but that's a totally different game. And yeah. U.S. kind of is good there, but in 15s, it's just that's. That's some really tough competition. France is finally looking uh, kind of back in form. They went, they recently went one and one against Scotland. So they beat Scotland, was it two weeks ago? And this, just this most recent game or last week. And I think yesterday they played them again and they lost in a pretty close game. So France is looking better than they have in recent years. And England is coming back from their weird little mid World Cup cycle slump and with their absolutely destruction of Ireland. And Argentina is just, just The Jaguars. The Jaguars part two. That's a tough physical team. Yeah. They you, play they play hard rugby. They yeah. play with a extremely um, hard working mindset. And I mean they almost there was a they had a really close game with South Africa in one of their more matches and South Africa is definitely a World Cup contender, so mm -hmm. United States is going to be in a rough spot. So uh, any final thoughts from anybody for their uh, world, world rugby predictions in the next coming weeks or months that they want to touch on before we uh, close, wrap things up? Um, I don't know. Are we getting into our pool predictions now, or is it just kind of in general? Uh, well, I think I think we're, uh, we're going to move into doing like full-on pool predictions and and whatnot as as the Rugby World Cup comes closer. So we might have to have you back on if you're yeah. that eager to share. Yeah. Them. Um, so I guess on on that note, uh, thank you for listening to Tigers Talk Rugby. Uh, once again, I am Ethan Richards, C.J. Bakel, uh, we had as our guests. Time to do it. There you go. <laughs> and Hunter Dossie. Um, and hopefully you can turn in, tune in next week uh, where we might have some of the women's rugby team here with us to join us. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me, Ethan. Thank you.